you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. Hello everyone, welcome along to the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. The latest episode is the review of the Fulham away game, which took place at Craven Cottage on Saturday afternoon. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. We've still got no Tony on the uh, cast list this week and uh, we're missing Dan as well. So it's just the two of us to reflect on. Probably the most disappointing, not disappointing actually, the most agonising defeat of the season so far, James. On it just, yeah. I mean, we all fancied the result and, you know, by actually scoring and getting the result, it probably should have gone that way, but that's not how football works, is it? No, it's not. And that's the thing because, I mean, everything apart from the statistic of possession, which we've always said on this podcast, an absolute load of bollocks anyway, everything apart from that, Luton absolutely dominated the game. You know, the, the popular statistic these days is XG, isn't it? Luton had a higher XG than Fulham. They created absolutely nothing, Fulham, from open play. Not a single thing. And then yet again, with the game seemingly just going right into our balance, the goalkeeper does something you wish he didn't do. And you're up against it from there on. Yeah, I must admit, I, uh, you know, having looked at it back, I think that I don't, I'm not sure Kaminsky needs to go for that, really. And if he does, he has to make damn sure. And he doesn't, I'm not, you know, it's not dig him out, really. Um, because, yeah, they didn't carve loot and open. And Luton had, what, three good chances? At least three. And a shout for a penalty. Um, so, you know, it's one of these. It's it's, it's really hard to, to take hard lines at the moment. And it sort of feels like certainly the honeymoon period's sort of over. If, or if you want to be optimistic, coming to an end, really. But um, yeah, we knew it was going to be hard, didn't we? It's just that we haven't been in this situation for... Well, we have in this on this podcast, which is the longest running podcast going, we haven't had to think about it like that. I mean, Luton haven't started the season with four consecutive league defeats since two thousand two, two thousand three, and there was an ominous statistic, wasn't there, about uh, the only other team to do that, newly promoted to the Premier League, was Swindon uh, back in the day. Um, remember that one, kids? <laughs> um, but you know, I still, I still feel like. Yeah, there's improvement happening and they just need to take those chances. I mean, we can't keep saying that, but I think, you know, we've got a bit of time. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go through the positives and negatives shortly. Um, but let's start right at the beginning, actually, James, because when the team, obviously we'd done a whole full and preview uh, about changing formation. We all kind of expected a back four and then the team sheet drops and it's not a back four, still a back five. Yes, the formation changed. Five four one five two three. Call it however, whichever way you see it. Um, but no Barkley, so immediately you know the kind of there was a little bit of a deflation set in from that point of view. Really, um, overall, I think he got the team right. But it would have been lovely to see what Barkley could have done in that game as well. I think so. I think if Barkley's fit, um, then he probably starts that game. Maybe over Chong. I think that's what we went for anyway when we were doing the lineup for the preview podcast. So. Um, yeah, that's a, tr- that's a tough one. You hope he's not out for a long time. I mean, one to two weeks is 
probably only misses the one game maybe, but it, what a game <laughs> it's going to be, a, a massive game it now. I suppose the good thing is the second one is a return home, literally a return home, and he's not going to want to miss that, is he? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's not, not look too far ahead though. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, the one sort of hope, I guess, is that, you know, he's sort of, that that was Lukonga's debut, so maybe he's not going the full um, four two three one that we were thinking for for starters, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the fact is that he, he started in Edinburgh, he game, didn't he? So that's that's a positive. Uh, and like all the players, really, you've got, there's so many of them, you've got to try and bed in. And if he's going to start playing like that in his debut, then that's really positive signs. Yeah, let's go on to the positives then, because you're right. I mean, Lukonga, between the minute of 20, maybe 25 in the first half, and, and you, hey, everyone's allowed 20 minutes to get up to speed in the first game of the season. From there on, till about 20 or 25 minutes into the second half, when naturally, when it's your first game of the season, you start to tire, particularly when Luton had none of the ball on a roasting hot day as well. Between that times, that was as good a midfield performance as I've seen in Luton show for a long, long time. They told me that one of the special things about Lukonga was how he is comfortable taking the ball in pressurised situations, keeping hold of it and moving the play on. And that's exactly what we saw. I mean, if you think of the Jacob Brown chance, which ultimately ended in disappointment because he has to score that. But it's him that receives the ball on half turn, goes absolute shocking tackle on him, by the way. How Paulini is not um, booked for wiping him out completely, but the ball gets on to Kabore. And then the cross. But the fact that Lukonga can take the ball from where we was telling Ross Barkley we didn't want to see him in the West Ham game and progressing the ball into their half, that's what we need in that midfield. Even if there's two of them, Marv can just sit there, carry the ball, Samby, carry the ball, because his passing and his comfort on the ball was Premier League standard. It really was. And that's his first performance. I'm really, really excited about what he's going to deliver in two, three, four games time. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, all the signs were promising, wasn't it? When you look at who he played for and the amount of games he's currently had, you know, it's difficult to get into the Arsenal side, I suppose, isn't it? But, um, you know, that's what happens at the, the top end of the table. But yeah, it's undoubted quality and we, we hope that that would be the case. So, yeah, really positive signs from that point of view. Um well, I mean, really positive signs all over the place, really. Yeah, it's, just, it's just, you look at the result and you just think you can't buy it at the moment. But, you know, it, it, the the goal situation is a concern. It speaks for itself. You know, one goal from open play and then a penalty in four games is not the return. But listen, I think Jacob Brown and Tom Lockyer wake, wake up today thinking they should have scored those because they were three headers. Yeah, I mean, they went to bed thinking that, didn't they? I mean... To be fair to Brown, he's done nothing wrong. He's got a fantastic connection on it. It's just hit the post. On another day, it's the inside post and it goes in, doesn't it? Tommy or no, free header. You've got to at least make the keeper work in the 93rd minute as well. You know, it's, yeah, and he knew he was thumping the ground. And when he came over to the fans, he was almost apologising and you nothing to apologise for. You gave it your best, Tom, and it didn't happen. But I, I think he's, I think he's tried to get too much on that header, to be honest. The, the pace of the cross was enough to just get, a solid connection and then you know if you if you get that and it's on target you're hoping that goes in yeah exactly that um you mentioned that there's positives everywhere and there are and i, I really want to pick up on two or three because um 
we've been critical in some ca- some cases. Amari Bell, first of all, to come back and play 90 minutes after all the travelling and everything that he's done, absolute incredible effort. Machine, isn't he? He really was. Uh, but to do it, left started off at left wing back and then obviously when Doughty came on, uh, moved into um, left centre back. Been a bit off the pace, I think it's fair to say, prior to the international break, but he was brilliant on Saturday. He really was. Maybe not necessarily in the kind of attacking threat that we would expect from him, but then they've got Wilson, who's probably their danger man up against him, and Tete, the fullback, who was bombing on as well. So I think it was a kind of a conscious effort just to keep the left side solid and we'll attack on the right-hand side where they had a right footer playing at left-back. But Amari did his defensive job really well no one got in down that side really and um he, he looked back to the amari bell of old actually yeah i mean i'm with you i think he, his performance levels weren't as high as they had been last season which was an exceptional season for him um, but then you know he played all summer in the gold cup got to the semi-final and then has to come back and straight into it you know you know we said this a lot i think about internationals i mean there's only so much you can flog these players before they start breaking down Luckily, like we say, he seems a bit of a machine and he isn't, but still that can affect your performance levels. But yeah, um, he had a good he had a good chance as well, but you wouldn't say for a defender that's one he needs, he should be looking to put away. Of the still, good chances, that was the weakest of the, I mean, if it had fallen to Chong or something, you'd have expected a lot more, wouldn't you? But um, falling to Bell on the volley, at least he hit the target. Yeah, okay, he didn't particularly test the keeper strongly, but... You know, you never know, don't you? It's, if you hit the target, anything can happen. And and he did do that. Uh, the other thing that's kind of been critical, not so much us, but certainly in that horrible world of social media uh, in the first month of the season, Issa Kabore, for all of his talent and everything, his final ball had seemingly been criticised quite a lot, but no criticism of his final ball on Saturday. The ball to Brown was absolutely perfect. The ball to Tom Lockyer, absolutely perfect. Ultimately, if you're a striker or any attacking player, they're the crosses you want and pinpoint crosses right on there. He had a really good game, Kabore. He had that left-hand side. They they couldn't handle him all afternoon. I mean, the only time they did handle him was when they rugby tackled him Ugh. in a horrible fashion. And uh, yet again, no yellow card. And um, Not even worthy of them talking about it on the telly, is it? No, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous, really. But uh, we knew he had all the other attributes. We knew he had pace. We knew he could go forward. He showed his defensive um, element of his game as well at, at times in the Brighton game and a couple of the others. Now he's got that final ball there as well. All of a sudden we've got ourselves a right prospect at right back. Yeah, I mean, like I say, that that ball for Tom Lockyer was pinpoint and it was pacey, everything you want. And I just think it, Tom's trying too hard to get that in. But yeah, if he can deliver that, he's got the legs to get up and down. We all know that he's got the pace. And, and if he could add that to his game or consistently, then yeah, it'd be frightening, wouldn't he? He really will. And um, the last the last kind of positive that I really want to um, point out is Jacob Brown. We were excited that we thought we were going to see him start, and we did see him start. It's just the width of a post from a brilliant striker's performance because he, he, he hassled uh, the fullbacks when they tried to bring the ball. I mean, Luton were kind of happy to have let the two centre-backs have the ball. But then when they started coming forward with it, Brown would press one side, Chong would um, go the other side. But he got the ball a lot, Brown, but he got into dangerous areas. And that's the that's the real thing. When you when you sat deep like we were, understandably, we weren't going to be picked apart. If they were going to get through us, they were going to have to do something magical. Or so we thought. 
But um, when you're that deep, you want you still want someone with the ability to get into a dangerous area, and he did it two or three times, Brown, and uh, it bodes well actually. I think it really does. I mean, like we say, when he's come on, his impact as a substitute has been really quite good, and that warranted him, I think, to get that start. Um, yeah, if he scores that goal, Luton Luton win. I think I'm absolutely certain of it. Really, um, you know. We always say this: if you get them, if you get in the right positions, and you keep doing it. You're doing something right, and eventually it'll come. It's just like at the moment, it doesn't feel like Luton are getting there just as that. Yeah, and that I guess that's the negative, isn't it? You know, the performance you can't pick a fault in that performance at all. Tactically, Rob obviously set them up the way that they did: five four one out of possession, five two three in possession. But for all the fact that you know, oh, we only had twenty three percent of possession. We had the best chances in the game by far. Their only chances, apart from the goal, were long-range shots, which even with Kaminsky potentially not giving everyone the kind of confidence you'd like him to, he was never not going to deal with the long-range shots that come his way. It, apart from that, Fulham were... They were ordinary. They really were. How the unless, hell... Unless you're Marco Silva. Well, yeah, I don't know what game he watched. <laughs> but then again, I very rarely know what game he watches. Most of the time, he only watches half it anyway because he's been sent off for the other half, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he didn't need to worry about the referees on Saturday because, Jesus Christ, that was as bad a refereeing performance as I've seen in a long time. And we've come through the leagues on this podcast and we've seen some shockers. That was so bad, though. It was like... Even the booking of Kaminsky, you're okay... He was taking a piss, and that's fine. Leno was doing exactly the same thing in the second half. He just waved him on, then kept on waving him. Well, when are you going to... Never, didn't even book him at all. And it's like, just be consistent, for Christ's sake. I don't care if you're crap, but be consistent. And it was every time a Fulham player went over, every single time it was a free kick. Yet, uh, Castagna near enough murders Kabore down that left-hand side. Yeah, well, we got a free kick, and actually the the away end erupted as if we'd just scored the winning goal at Wembley. It was that ironic that we'd actually got a free kick, and it was like you don't want us in your league, but don't make it so bloody obvious, you know. It's and and then the, then there's the penalty shout, which again, I mean, we don't want to talk about VAR on this podcast every single week, but it seems like we're going to have to because how a VAR can see that. And say that's not a clear and obvious error. It's it's beyond me. It's so clearly an error. And unless the referee's kind of given some sort of view of it that... But again, until we know the audio of it, no one really knows what's gone on and what's been said and everything else. And it's... We just want a fair crack at this. It's hard enough 11 v 11. Mm. If we've got to play 15 of the buggers, we've got no chance really. Yeah, I, I, well, you've got, what are the chances that that's going to be spoken about afterwards? That the one at West Ham wasn't, it's just like they ignored it. West Ham, um, match of the day didn't even show either of those two, um, the foul on Kabore or the, the penalty show, it didn't show them at all. But then they did show the goal, but not a single mention of the handball. I mean, the bloke plays basketball to turn around and then set the attack on its way, but it's all absolutely fine. No mention of it because old Paulinia didn't go to Bayern Munich. I don't give a fuck if you've gone to Bayern Munich or not. You know, that's two weeks ago. How about telling us about what's happened in the game that you're supposedly covering? Not a thing. And you know, it's, Has anyone checked if if uh, VAR 
get uh, paid by the mention because maybe <laughs> it does feel a bit like excessively bad at the moment that it's nothing is going Luton's way and yeah it does you know every fan's a conspiracy theorist and it does feel like and I try not are. to be a conspiracy yeah. theorist but these are two clear clear things you know if the decision if if you don't change the decision at least come out and tell us why it's not you know why is James Ward-Prowse's handball not a penalty yeah. When you've got an absolute, when you've got someone who's played the game for fifteen, twenty years, five minutes later, explaining exactly why it is a penalty, why is the referee saying this is not a penalty? Someone come out and tell us. Howard Webb, you're doing your show every month. Come out and tell us. Don't worry about the decisions you've got right. No one really cares about the audio for them. We want to know why the ones that you've got wrong, or we think you've got wrong, have been wrong, and we're not getting them. And again, the. I mean, Morris is just about to go and attack. Uh, the free kick was crap, by the way, but it was flicked on into an area where Morris was about to attack. And Reed clearly sticks a leg out and drags him down. There's absolutely no way on this world, uh, and I think Rob said it, didn't he? Anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. If a VAR can't give that, I don't really don't know what the point of him being there is. And it's it's just so frustrating because we're busting our bollocks every single game here. Give us a fair crack at a whip, you know? Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, even just regular refereeing decisions, you just want consistency. And when it is so, feels so weighted against you, really, like it has been, so difficult to take because, and we know how every point is going to count here. I know it could have been a point that in the West Ham game at home should have been at least a penalty to have a chance of that. And you're thinking, yes, Luton had two absolutely fantastic chances that well, they should put they should have put one of those away but when those things crop as well and you've played as well as you have you've got the tactics right um you've had you've created chances and you still come away and, uh, and lose inside you know the, the only thing you can really look at is maybe Kaminsky shouldn't be trying to go for that or at least getting two hands on it and not pushing it in front of Vinicius and the other one is the referees ain't open. And, uh, you know, like I say, I don't, I, I don't want to be talking about him all the time. The whole, the whole point of a good referee, isn't it, is always said, you don't notice them. And we, and they want to be centre stage at the moment. I, I'm not there. Nobody pays their money to go and watch that, watch the referee. No, exactly. We played four games. First one at Brighton, two penalties, neither of them were a penalty. Second one, okay, I mean, the referee had an easy night that night. And then third and fourth ones, penalties, clear penalties, not, you know, not even given. And you don't, even if he goes to the screen, says, no, sorry, I'm keeping my original decision. At least we know that it's been. And that's it, isn't it? You know, you know just show us that you're making an effort. Yeah. At the minute, it just feels like, oh, whatever. It's only looting. Yeah, whatever. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the fact that TV doesn't even show it as well on a, on a match. You just, I don't know. I, I don't know what the decision is there. Maybe you're there to show. You know, you're there to show all the major points of a match. You kind of feel that they're taking the same match. You're like, oh, do you know what? Well, that's the last game of the night. Put them on there. We'll just zip through it and we'll be off down the pub. That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, even the manager interviews that are on Match of the Day, they're on the BBC Sport website. I'd rather have the analysis of the key decisions than hearing what the manager says when I can just log on the internet 
you know, like you can these days. It's just, yeah, the referee wasn't the reason why we lost at Fulham, but he sure as hell didn't help us on a roasting hot day as well, you know, to have so much pressure piled on you because of decisions, decisions, decisions wasn't good. But, um, but there we go. Uh, it was another defeat, but overall, I think, I think we've now got to the performance levels in the Premier League that are going to get us results. I really do. I think the West Ham game and even more the Fulham game with the tactical sort of approach that we um, took, I I think we're there now. We just need to be ruthless now. This is a a hard bastard league, this is. You know, this is not... To be nice and to be soft, you can't. You've got to be hard. You've got to be ruthless now. We've got to find these combinations that the ball's going to end up in the back of the net. And until we do, we've got to keep on changing until we find it and it's um it's on that actually that uh of Rob Edwards's post-match press conference that caught me the most not necessarily about that but he actually pretty much came out and said as a fan base we have to get used to the fact that we're not going to see the same 11 on the pitch every week in this league as we've come through the leagues we've kind of had the approach of well this is how we do it they've got to adjust to us but we're now in the big big boys league and we've got to adjust ourselves to give us the best chance of stopping them and imposing ourselves on them. And he basically said each game is going to bring about its own problems or its own tactical nuances. And we've now got to start picking a team and a formation that reflects that rather than just our stock team and formation and, and starting 11 and um, seeing what comes. We've got to be smarter than that. And, and I think as fans, we've got to get used to the fact that we're not going to see the same 11 every single week. We are going to see lots of changes. Don't criticise the team sheet. Just hope that what they've gone through with their analysis plays out on the pitch and it, it leads us to results. Yeah, but I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Absolutely. That's what you should be doing, especially when you've signed players like Luton have this season to give some depth, you know, that it is a squad game. And if you've got those players that you can tweak lineups, tweak formations to suit playing against the team that you're playing, then I'm all for that because, you know, they yeah, we're just getting punished uh, every week so far. Um, and, you know, as much as you need to cut those out and they do, if it's down to the one chance now against Fulham, it's gone from... It's gone from four goals to three goals to two goals to one goal. Oh, yeah, Wolves got no chance of scoring <laughs> yeah. on Saturday. Absolute nil-nil, isn't it? <laughs> and we've gone one goal, no goal, one goal, no goal. So put your money on one nil Luton against Wolves on uh, on Saturday. It's it's already made up. Actually, yesterday may, uh, kind of reminded me of the Sheffield United away game last season. Very few chances that we created in that game. Very much out to stop them from getting many chances. The difference being when we got that chance at Sheffield United, Elijah found Morris, who found the back of the net. If Kabore had found Brown, who'd found the back of the net, it would have been so reminiscent of it. So tactically, Rob's got this absolutely spot on. But ultimately, what he can't do, he can't put the ball in the back of the net for him. Someone's got to take it on their shoulders, run with it, and I'm going to be that one to put the ball in the back of the net. And I'm going to be the one who's not going to be dropped when all of this rotation and everything else is going on. And also, the longer this goes on, you're going to get back to that situation we were in, oh, what do I want to say, two seasons ago, or maybe even a season and a half ago, where if an opposition team scored first, you're looking at a defeat. You don't want to get into that position. Um, I'll quite happily take 1-0 to Luton, but you've got to start sticking the ball in the net. And, um, 
you know, Brown and Lockyer, like we said, probably should have scored. But I'm also looking at the likes of um, Morris, who swung a leg at a volley. It was his unfavoured foot, but you've got to be trying to do a bit better. Again, yeah, exactly. If the keeper saves it, no one can really... I mean, you know, you'd still... You still want perfection, but at least you force the keeper to save it. Mm. Ultimately, and Carlton doesn't need us to tell him. He's, he'll, he'll be thinking this himself. I'm 12 yards out and I've just missed. He didn't miss on purpose, but we're in the, we're in a league now where, as we said earlier, four or five chances are probably the max we're going to get. Two of those realistically, because we're not going to keep, well, we're going to keep eight clean sheets, maybe 10 at an absolute most. So we're going to need not two the, of not at the moment, yeah. But so we're going to need two of those to go in to get anything out of, or to get have a chance of winning any game. He just struck. He struck me as a kind of lack of confidence with Morrison. I've never seen that in a Luton ship. Well, he, uh, yeah, we're all in a different place at the moment because we've not had to deal with defeat after defeat after defeat for so long. Well, certainly Carl Morris. He was in a team that just. Well, absolutely stellar last season. Um, and before that, obviously, he was in a Barnsley side that weren't, weren't doing much good. So, you know, maybe that sort of sparked in him something, but he's just not getting any... any. I can't think of a time where he's had a really guilt-edged chance. Um, there was, he had one against West Ham, but somebody threw them, themselves in the way of it, didn't get a corner. Uh, but really, he hasn't had the chances to miss the chances he's just almost been starved yeah I mean he plays a position where if your service isn't there mm. you're fucked really aren't you it's you know yeah and because and, the only way you get service if the service don't come to you is go and get it and then you get the ball where you can't score from it's that Harry Kane situation and how deep does he come and you know you need a person in the box but he, he just looked like for the first time in his Luton career he needed a goal yeah, I mean, it's a strike, isn't he? Gone three games without getting one. I mean, you can't really count the penalty, can you? Because he's that's a penalty. So he's, he's started the season and he hasn't really had a sniff at a goal from open play. And that's your bread and butter as a striker, isn't it? And, you know, maybe that changes now. You know, if, like we talked about, Kabore, if his service stays at that level and uh, Lakonga can build on what he's done this weekend and Barkley comes back as well. Maybe that, maybe that changes. It's like, that's now I'm saying it now I'm voicing it out loud. It makes me feel a bit easier about the situation. It does make you start to feel a bit uneasy, doesn't it? And cause we you know, looked at Fulham as one of the teams that you can take points from and they were there. The points were there for the taking just didn't happen, but I probably, they're probably like at the, the top of that mini league of teams, but coming up now are the ones where, it's going to have to happen. Yeah, that's it. I mean, annoying to come away from Fulham with a defeat, particularly a defeat that uh, we didn't really deserve. But as I say, I, I really do now think that the last two games, our performance levels are at this level now. Now it's that little bit that makes the difference. You know, Rob spoke after the West Ham game, both boxes. And it's a term that we've heard for the last two seasons as we've been going up against teams bigger and better than us. I think we got our box right yesterday. Um, now we just need to get their box right, and uh, they'll, they'll, it'll come. I'm absolutely certain it'll come. These boys, they're not going down on lack of effort. They're not going down on um, 
lack of ability and lack of sort of belonging at the level. I think we showed that yesterday. What will go, what will take us down is the ones that guarantee you that in both boxes cost you 50 million quid and we ain't got, and we just ain't got it. So yeah, killer instinct. It's the same all over football. It costs you money, doesn't it? I mean, even to the point that, you know, Luke Marin for Cameron Archer and couldn't get him because what is Sheffield United spending? 18 million quid. That's, that's the entire summer transfer budget, give or take a million here or there for Luke. And that's just not what's going to happen. I know there'll be a certain section of fans that think that Luton should have uh, spent the cash, but they're the people that don't see the bigger picture of where this club has come and now what this opportunity has given the club as a whole. So, you know, results can wax and wane. You can get promoted, you can get relegated, but to have a football club in the first place is the main thing and to have one that's going to be sustainable. Yeah, and ultimately 18 million quid have got Sheffield United a point against Everton and that's all else, apart from uh, whinging manager, time-wasting and yeah. all of that nonsense. And, um, and that, there's stories already that he might be on his ear, out in his ear, uh, Heckenbottom, isn't it? That they might get Wilder back in. So, you know, you've got to be thankful that we're not in that, that we're not that club. No, yeah, stay, we stay balanced. Whatever happens this season, you know, stay balanced. The worst that can happen is we go back to where we've just come from, but we'll be in a good place to uh, go. And we need to, we really do need to keep remembering the bigger picture as frustrating as it is that we're losing these games. We're right there. And I think that was a, that was shown with the appreciation when the players came over again, it was very much Chelsea-esque and uh, that support was was big. Uh, we'll finish this podcast, as we always do, by the the standout player of the day. It has to be Sambi Lakonga. There were some really good performances, to be honest, James. Um, Tom Lockyer, he had Jimenez in his pocket, to be quite honest. Mads Anderson, playing the left centre-back role, played really, really well. And we've spoken about the two full-backs, uh, wing-backs, sorry, um, Kabore and Bell, but Lakonga. I come away from Craven Cottage thinking, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that bloke's going to produce over the next few months for us. And um, yeah, I th- I th- we've definitely got a player there. I'm absolutely sure of it. Yeah, it's a great, great move. And, you know, if we do need to see it again and again, yeah, obviously, but it's a great start for the the deal that we've got there. Yeah, you you want to see that. Um, it'd be terrible if he came in and phoned it in. <laughs> Doesn't look like that at all. Um, so yeah, it's a promising one, really exciting. Maybe a few tweaks to the formation, maybe with one or two players moving around in front of him. And yeah, we'll see what it brings. But um, yeah, I think it's a good shout on Lockyer as well. He, he obviously started a bit slow and tentative. I think it's back to being the Lockyer of last season or that that performance seemed to be. And yeah, did we speak about Mads in the last one. I, just, I do, do like him. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Yeah, I um, have to say, uh, I'd last two games in particular. And I've got to remember with Mads, he missed Germany because of gastroenteritis, went out there and was puking his guts up when he was out there. Obviously, he had a dodgy sausage or something. And, um, you know, but that's the worst time to get it, the week before the season starts, because that's when your pre-season's really getting up to full pelt to go. And you, you just, you go backwards. And uh, no, really, really good from Mads in the last couple of games and of course Reese Burke's just so good we don't even need to mention him because you don't notice him because he just does his business yeah absolutely yeah what a player he is it's just got to keep him fit he's what is he two games in now he's usually yeah I like the fact though that he's the one who makes way when we made the formation change yesterday we don't need to flog Reese Burke Mm. you know I know the game was only at 1-0 but if we're bringing an attacker on for a defender 
yes, Reese Burke is probably the best in that back three, but bigger picture. More Reese Burke minutes equal should in turn equal much better defending over the course of the season. All right, that's it for the Fulham review episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you uh, to the Hightown Club for staging us, as always. Thank you to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our brilliant intro, which we're loving, and I think, judging by the consensus, everyone out there is too. And to Ed Smith Creative for all of the designs that you can see both on our set and on the podcast, uh, wherever you pick it up. Uh, as always, please do like, subscribe, follow, everything else that you can do um, to enhance our podcast. We want to keep bringing you bigger and better podcasts and in order to do that with the more subscribers and followers and um, people that listen to the podcast or watch it uh, we can get the better we uh, hinted in the Fulham preview show that we've got a big podcast coming out around the corner that is still to come so if you subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever it is that you get your podcast you'll get the first notification when that podcast drops in the coming days until then though keep a lookout for that but thanks for all your comments and everything and um We'll be back for a preview edition of what is now a huge, huge, huge game at home to Wolves. James, thanks very much for joining me, mate. Thanks for you two watching or listening, however it is you've condensed this podcast and consumed this podcast even. <laughs> and um, come on, you atters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul.